0: Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
1: Welcome back to more to it, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then we journey into those deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude. Oh man, we are going to have us a show today because we are going to touch every corner of Of the sports room man from ownership all the way down to the players behind bars etc it's gonna be a great show cuz I'm feeling great right now Uh, for a fat boy I'm kind of gunned up Um, I got a layer or two to lose right here that just means I've been carb loading, sipping on that drink and not getting on that treadmill but all is good man but we always start to show off what's up with that dude well I am on a new medication, and I still don't know how to say it. I think it's called Celebrex, but it's an anti-inflammatory that's for people who are arthritic. Woo! Woo! I might get a sack, coach. I might get a sack, because I ain't going to lie. I've taken two, and I feel like I can run through a wall right now. Seriously. One of my boys told me about it, and it's some reason, because I'm not playing ball anymore, I'm just relying on all my natural, physical, mental ways of healing. Which is kind of weird because when I played, I took everything they offered. I didn't give a damn. Injection here, tore it all there. Okay, what is that? I don't want to know, do I? And then the peel, peel, peel. And I did it all, came out, it felt like unscathed to a degree. But I did it just to get through those rigors. Now, I'm a father, 48 years old, and I got my day-to-day stuff, and I still am physically active. Why am I not taking something? So it was kind of weird when I went to the doctor the other day. He hooked me up, and so far, woo! So great. So if y'all over there suffering through some stuff, get you some Celebrex, I guess. I should look it up, but I don't want all y'all to take it. I need some for me. All right, yesterday I had some meetings about uh, a pickleball tournament that may be coming to a city that you're in. Yes, this national tour of pickleball, they want me to be the face, the ambassador. Why me? Because I'm good as hell at pickleball. I got a pickleball court in my backyard. I'm about that life. I will destroy y'all at pickleball because it's tennis light. It's like, you know, the anemic tennis, right? The anorexic tennis. I ain't got to run that far. So that favors a big dog like me. I stay right there on that line right before the kitchen. Oh, y'all know what the kitchen is. I know what the kitchen is. That's where I cook this shit up and I go out there and destroy cats. So I can't wait to come to your city and destroy your That was fun. We're going to obviously link it through my foundation, Project Transition. It's going to be a community initiative, a great opportunity for us to bring in big sponsors and to reach the people. Going to be fun. Also, the milking conference is going on. You guys know about that? You guys heard about that? It's where the big money cats, VCs, and you see all these hedge fund cats, and they're just walking around. And I went to a BNP event last night. Uh, you guys know them. They uh, sponsor Indian Wells Tournament and a huge tennis tournament out there. So they had a private event at Avra, darling. Avra, if you're in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, area, you must go to Avra. Avra is known for a seafood. You go in there, you know, and the fish is just laying there in ice like pick me, even though I'm dead. I'm still talking, pick me, and the fish is just laying there and everybody, oh, what that one, I oh, want that one. And I don't eat fish because of my childhood and having to eat all that broiled fish to make weight. So I walk right past that, order me a steak all the time. Great event. Got a chance to talk to a lot of the executives there, and they want to support my Project Transition initiative as well. Love, love, love. Shout out to the people who I saw there that I know, the homies. Byron Allen was there. Yes, Mr. Fist Pump himself. That's Byron Allen, the billionaire. Yeah, yeah, that's the homie. Goes to our school, love the dude. And it's funny, he doesn't shake hands, it's real. Like, cats was walking up to him getting caught slipping. They like this. You know, you go in like this, and you go in like this. And he like, nah, B. (laughs) We just gonna have to break that. We playing rock, paper, scissors right here. I saw at least five people coming in hot. They doing this. I'm like, dog. he ain't opening that thing up. It's just real. That was cool. Uh, My doctor, Jason Snibby, was there famous orthopedic surgeon out here. Everybody know about him. Fix your knees, fix your hips. And my man Harley Pasternak was there. Y'all know Harley. Yeah, Harley got famous for some interesting reasons in the last year or so, but that's a great dude. That's my dog. All right, y'all. Speaking of dog, it's time to talk about my other dog. S N O P D O double jizzle. My dog, Snoop Dogg, has a bid to buy a hockey team. Yes, the Ottawa Senators. Yes, Snoop Dogg was on the podcast, Stephen A. Smith's podcast, and he uh, talked about his love for the sport of hockey. Said he's been watching it for 25 years, and Snoop is older than me, so somewhere around his 30s, late 20s, I don't know what he was doing. He was just smoking with Suge one day. He was like, hey, hey, change the channel, though. Put on the ice skates and all that. Let's see the dudes on the screen. Like, well, I don't know when did you switch at 30 to like hockey. But according to Snoop, he did. And he said his biggest motivation, I think it's pretty obvious, but it's still heartfelt. He says he wants to bring hockey to his community. Oh, man, that's interesting because everybody wants to talk about DEI, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, but this may be a situation where DEI goes wrong because uh, everybody doesn't want everything. And I'm thinking through this like hockey. I like when I go to a hockey game. I think everyone does because there's a great energy in there. First, you walk into the arena, the temperature hits you, it's cooler, you like that, and then the cats are just going, and they are rough. Like, they tearing that damn glass, that plexiglass up. You're like, oh, this is dope. This is like fast-moving football out here. But I think the best thing about being at a hockey game is the fact that you can actually follow the puck. Like, you on TV, man, that puck is lost. They tried all kind of things. They tried to make it neon. They tried to highlight it. They tried to give it a a tail, a laser tail. And I was like, dog, it's not working. But when you're there live, you got a better sense of it. You can see it all, feel it all, and be in those elements. I get that. So, Snoop wants to own this team. And then ownership, as a part of it, wants to build a Snoop youth hockey league outside of Canada so kids in the urban communities can have access to it and learn about the sport as well. All these things obviously are very important. He just wants people to know that they can play hockey even if they look like Snoop Dogg or if they're from a poor neighborhood or they don't have the access. And that's what's interesting about it because if you look at it, The issues with hockey, when you talk about the neighborhood, and be careful, guys, never make the hood synonymous with race or color. Because I think people do that sometimes. They say black, and then they say hood. And it's not the same thing. Because where I grew up, it used to be all black. Because before that, it was all white. And guess what it is now? All Latino. So never go to that extent of trying to link it to a certain group, even though there may be a majority rule there. But the issues with hockey? Culturally is, frankly, the access, the cost, as much as they they say $2,500 a year to get your little kid into hockey. Or also the numbers. Think about this. So the first thing is the access. Where's the hockey rink by us? Out here in Los Angeles, in proper L.A., there's one in Culver City. Uh, There's one in downtown L.A., Only for Christmas time, as they do ice skating around there. And then I think there's one in Manhattan Beach. But the point is, so spread out, so the access is difficult. The cost, $2,500 versus signing your son up for the football league or the basketball league. What's that, 60 bucks, 100 bucks? (sighs) Hockey's going to have to figure out a way to either invoke some scholarships or bring those costs down. And then the numbers. So I like hockey, right? Or sellers. I like hockey. Does Tim like hockey? Does Tim like hockey? Mm-hmm. Okay, does Jonathan like hockey? Okay, we got two and a half guys right now because Tim is on the fence. You got to get the numbers to even get the team together to get the league going with the access that may be distant. But props to Snoop Dogg. Props to him to trying to close that gap, close that divide between where he thinks his people are in the community with hockey and where hockey really is. Hopefully, this ownership bid goes through, and you imagine Snoop over there puffing one as he's owning a hockey team. That'll be fresh. Woo, we about to chop up some wood. And right now, let's talk about this story that I think there are a lot of life lessons we can learn from someone else's despair. Unfortunately, former Raiders first-round pick, y'all remember him, wide receiver Henry Ruggs' third, pled guilty in the fatal DUI case. Let's get the facts out there. So the former Raiders receiver unconditionally waived his right to a preliminary hearing on Tuesday and will plead guilty to one count of DUI resulting in death and one count of misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter. According to the plea agreement, Ruggs will serve three to 10 years in Nevada State Prison. Charges dropped as part of the plea were one count of DUI causing substantial harm regarding his passenger, and two counts of reckless driving. Now, if he would have played this all the way through, tried to go to trial, pled not guilty, if convicted, Ruggs faced a minimum of two years up to 50 years in prison. So obviously, he couldn't take that gamble. And speaking of that gamble, with a three to 10-year sentence, Even if he gets out early for good behavior, the short end of that sentence, will his football career be over and... Will another team roll the dice and take that gamble of Ruggs coming out of prison? Sad story all around, obviously, for the victim, lost their life as well. We start there, but also for Henry Ruggs and his entire family, anyone connected to him, because he's not the only one that's going to go up for three years, up to 10 years. That affects all in his surroundings. So. The craziest thing about all of this is it could have been prevented. And that's where I think we should have this conversation. You talk about Henry Ruggs in the moment before this fatal accident. And it takes me back to a couple scenarios that I was prepared for. And the California Highway Patrol was one of them that prepared me. And another one was the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Let's talk about it they talk about and they used to come to our teams and hold these panels and just try to educate us because look you got a bunch of guys 50 some young guys in their 20s and 30s right and you know they have access they got money they like to party they like to play play hard and party harder right so we had the la sheriff come in one time and of all the things they said the one thing that stuck out was the fact that he was like i want everybody to run this scenario through your head Basically the Uber scenario. You're about to go out tonight. You know you're going out tonight. Where are you going? Doesn't matter. You're leaving your home, okay? So let's not get caught up in what I'm going to do because a lot of times, people start running through what their night looks like and then try to associate how many drinks I'm going to have there. Oh, I'm just going to my auntie's house. I'm not going to drink over there. Oh, then i not supposed to go to dinner with the executive, so I'm not going to drink there or maybe one or two. Then I'm going to go hang with my boys and then I'm going to go drink. Point being, don't make those associations. You're leaving your house. Here's the simple question to ask yourself. Are you going to have a drink? That's what the LA sheriff said to us as he was looking us in the eyes. Are you going to have a drink? And then if the answer is yes, call the Uber now. Simple as that. That's the most foolproof way for you not to get caught up in a situation like Henry Ruggs did. Okay. Now, the California Highway Patrol took that and took it a step further. So they say the same things. If you're leaving your house, you know you got to get an Uber. Duh, duh, duh. But then they took it a step further and said, I want everyone to put on this set of glasses, right? And they passed these glasses around to our entire football team. So you can hear a guy after guy. You're waiting your turn like, man, pass the damn glasses. And everybody put them on like, oh, OK, OK. Mm, all right, whatever. Like, you're not knowing what to do with this just yet. Pass them around. They're just sitting there watching us, watching us. And then when we're done, he's like, okay, what we just passed around were intoxication glasses. Basically, if you've ever had that level of vision, raise your hand. Everybody hand went up. Like, who hasn't been intoxicated to this level? And he says, oh, that is legally drunk. And legally drunk in California is 0.08. He said, and it's easier to be over the limit than you guys think. So you guys are all big, 200, 300 pounders in here, one 400 pounder. And everybody's like looking around like, that's drunk? That's getting me pulled over and putting handcuffs and taking to jail? And we were like, oh. And it was a sobering moment, pun intended. Because literally, I have been behind the wheel before like, You can still see the sign. Eh, Oh, yeah, I can still see this, all that. And he was like, it's not as difficult as you think. And sometimes when you hear these cases and you hear these reports, guys be two, three times over the limit. You be like, damn, how much did they drink? It turns out sometimes four drinks six drinks over the course of a night and including dinner, right? Now obviously the smaller you are and the slower your metabolism, etc. and the more you drink, obviously it affects you differently. But a lot of times, it's this willful ignorance, like you just don't even want to think about what your night's gonna look like and then on top of that, you don't know how it's affecting you. And in this situation, not just you, but someone was killed because you were being reckless. So this is an interesting case where obviously we saw a life loss and we saw someone who could have prevented this, but when you get caught up in that zone, you live living that life or you're living too fast and you just don't stop and think situations like this can happen. Crazy as it is, it's a, such a disappointment and a waste of potential and the cost of a human life. It's your boy, Marcellus Wiley, thanking you for your viewership on Brinks TV and your membership on YouTube, Wiley's World. Ah, speaking of YouTube, you, Dylan Brooks, oh man, gonna be chilling Brooks right now, man. Dylan Brooks was cut from the Memphis Grizzlies, figuratively speaking and literally speaking, because of what happened and the reports that are coming from Memphis. Let's talk through this. Let's get the beats out there. Oh, what a postseason for my man, Dylan Brooks. They wrote, he entered as the longest tenured member of the number two seed in the Western Conference Memphis Grizzlies. But he exits it and he leaves as the butt of a lot of jokes because of his unfortunate trash talk. Interesting writing here. It got worse when they informed Brooks, an unrestricted free agent this offseason, that Quote, he will not be brought back under any circumstances, according to Sham's sources. Golly. Now, despite all the backlash, we know who he is as a player. He's a good defender, averaged 14 points this year. And when he hits his threes, okay, he's valuable in this league. But boy, did he get exposed in that Lakers series, and that's what we're going to talk about. It's going to be interesting to see if he lands in the NBA and where he lands in the NBA. I think cooler heads will prevail once he gets through this little phase of everybody over there memeing him out and over there trying to just troll him up. He'll get a landing spot somewhere in the NBA. But boy, let's start here. How he was cut for show, for example. This is how this went down. Because you don't let these type of reports out. You don't say these things to anyone unless you're trying to send a message. Not to just Dylan Brooks, but to this young Memphis Grizzlies team of, hey, we need to lock in. Because Dylan Brooks talking trash locked in the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, that actually happened. Let me tell you how it goes in practice. Because in practice, the preparation is the separation. So... Bulletin board material. We've all heard about it. I'm not a big believer in it, but I do know it has an effect. Here's the effect. You talking trash about LeBron James. You know that LeBron James doesn't like the punch down in the moment, at least. Now, he's passive aggressive and he'll wait till it's all done, as he did in this situation. But in the moment, oh, he's going to keep it all class as much as possible. But that doesn't mean everybody else on the team will. So in practice, once they hear Dylan Brooks is coming at the king, trying to poke the bear, oh, all them cubs, oh, they're going to rally for big dog. They're going to rally for the big bear. So everyone gets locked in. Now, in a normal practice session, no matter what it is, it's impossible for adults and certainly for the kids I coach to stay locked in the entire two hours, whatever it is. That's why every time you watch guys practice, you see them just in slow-mo they laughing, they jogging. Some of them got their phone on them, right? Ben Simmons, like just—it's impossible to lock in. But you get locked in in intensity per drill, right? But when you got somebody poking the bear, your leader, all of a sudden everything gets amplified, intensified, and guys focus more—not perfectly, but more than they normally would. So what happens? You get this collective effort that is greater than it would have been if you didn't say nothing for whatever reason. The the seventh guy, the eighth guy on the team who normally goes at this pace, which is a damn good pace, all of a sudden takes it up a notch because he heard somebody's coming for him. That's how it goes. Now, Dylan Brooks was sold out also by his teammates. Let me tell you why. Because in this situation, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you're reading the room. You're taking the pulse of your team. You maybe even directly go to John Morant or another leader on the team and say, hey, what's up with Dylan? How's it going with Dylan? And some guys may have said, you know what? I ain't going to lie to you, coach. What he's given us and what he's taken away from us, uh, I think there's more being lost than gained. That could have happened, or more importantly, the coach is just reading it, and guys will talk through their actions. The, most of the communication is nonverbal. You just start to watch guys and see the chemistry and see how it's off, and all of a sudden, there's no more appreciation for the guy. Because what Dylan Brooks got called out for, trash talking and trying to come at LeBron, that's his gift, and that's his curse, Right? So I think Dylan Brooks in this situation, because obviously they underwhelmed. Obviously they didn't live up to expectations. And you can blame a little of this on the focus or the trash talk. All of that said, Dylan Brooks to me was sent a message and his team was sent a message that we are not going to allow this anymore. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. And for you, Dylan, it's time for you to do both of those things somewhere else. The world right now is bowing down and saying we got love for you MVP in Joel Embiid. The dude finally did it, right? We know who Joel Embiid is. He just won that MVP over Jokic and over Giannis. We'll discuss did he deserve that as well. But first, this is his first MVP award after finishing as a runner-up the last two years. Jumping at the bit. Coming, I'm coming, give it to me. And finally, he gets it. What's interesting about Joel Embiid is because he's been so public with who he is, so public with his persona. I remember you could go back to the early days when he was taking his shots at Rihanna, despite him being on IR, or when he predicted that he would win an MVP uh, one day, long time ago, when he was on Twitter, right? So, this is a really good story in terms of. A guy who just put it all out there and ends up climbing to the top of the mountain in terms of individual accomplishments. He won the award by a landslide. Remember everybody was talking about how close it was going to be? Jokic deserves his third in a row. And then obviously Giannis was balling out of control. And you're not supposed to look at what's happening in the playoffs. So what Giannis and and the Bucs did in the playoffs wasn't supposed to matter. But... Looking at the voting, it looked like something mattered because Embiid had 915 points, 73 first-place votes. Jokic was second, 674 and 15 first-place votes. Giannis was third, 606 in points, 12 first-place votes. All right, so Embiid won because of this. He plays defense, and this is second straight year of leading the NBA in scoring. It's kind of hard to say no to that guy, especially when the other two guys, let's just be real about it, they already had won MVP before. So it's like, this guy is leading the league in scoring again and playing defense like that, and it's one of the hardest covers in basketball in terms of what he can do from the three-point line all the way down in terms of just boxing you out defensively, getting the ball, block, steals. He just does it all. He checks every box. Shot a career high from the field, 54.8%. And it's crazy that this is the fifth straight year, y'all. Y'all ready? Y'all ready, America? That an international player has won the award. Five straight MVP awards have gone to international players. And it's the third straight center. Y'all want to keep talking about uh, how this game is globalized? Yeah, you done exported the game, and then we done imported all that talent, and they are balling out of control. The third straight center to win the award. Interesting, because we know that is a position that is dated, they say. You can go right now to the youth league and see the little kids that are not so little, the big ones. And they trying to bring those dudes away from the basket, shoot the three-pointer, not traditional, back to the basket, centers, etc. But whatever you want to call the position and how it's morphed in terms of its dynamics, third straight center of that old, dusty, dated position. Now, MVP. Okay, let's talk about his story because this is interesting. Let's just go through the beats. He's from Cameroon, West Central Africa, and he didn't pick up a basketball till he was 17. All y'all screaming ass parents <laughs> at these seven-year-olds, these nine-year-olds, these 11-year-olds. Joel Embiid did not pick up a basketball till he was 17. Now I can hear y'all push back to justify y'all screaming for little Johnny out there. Oh, well, well he, he's seven foot 90, so obviously he didn't have to just pick up a basketball till he was 17. Look how big he is. That's part of it. Can't lie about that. But also, it just lets you know, if you commit to something, no matter when you start, Oh, you can get some results. 17. That's when he picked up the sport. His family wanted him to focus on school. They had to be convinced that basketball was a good idea, and it could even help him get into school, give him that balancing act. So he attended a basketball camp that was ran by a former NBA player, Luke moute Y'all remember him? I remember him. And a French player, Francois Nyam. I don't know him. Okay, so they said from day one, he had no skills. Like, <laughs> they... Big-ass no-skills. Okay, you can expect that he's 17, learning a new game. So with his big no-skill-having-butt, he went out there and he would try and learn. He said three things every single time. He would try to just learn three things. Mastering them, different, but trying to learn those three things. The one thing he did have is some sick feet. They said, yo, the footwork was natural, was nice. All right? So now you got a guy who's trying to build himself as an athlete, which started with him just not picking up the sport till he was 17. Okay, so then they got him to one of the top high school programs in the country. Wasn't hard. You imagine that, admissions meeting. Okay, bring him in. What's his name? Joel Embiid. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, he can... <laughs> He's admitted. Whatever the hell he want to do on that court, he can do it. We'll help him in the classroom as well. So he barely spoke English, got on a plane to attend the school, and didn't know seriously when he see his family again. Mm. I guess our version of that is when you send your kid to IMG Academy in Florida, tennis players, sometimes a football player. But usually those tennis players go out there. Imagine getting on a plane that young, 17, and it's time for you to say, Hello to your dreams now, and maybe goodbye for a while to your family. That's crazy. Okay. So then he got into Kansas, got drafted third overall by the Sixers 2014. Beasting, right? Picking up those three things a day with those six feet has added up to something already. Now, he considered retiring after his brother's death and missing his first two NBA seasons Because of his broken foot when he was taking those shots at Rihanna like, yo, what it do? I know one day you're going to be a billionaire and I'm going to do my part to try and keep up. What's up? I was laughing at that the whole time, even though it was kind of weird, dog. Play first before you start playing on social media. But he took his backlash. Obviously, he didn't retire, um, even though he had that hurt and heavy heart because of his brother's death. And then he said he wanted to quit basketball after he had another surgery. He had the second surgery. He was like, dog. So a lot of thoughts about something he picked up late and it was now being something that was very difficult for him to go out there and do. It was difficult because of his injury. So he's contemplating not even doing it at all. What a story of perseverance and a guy who started it late but was able to chase his dream all the way to this level of success against incredibly long odds I love it now did he deserve it absolutely we talked about his stats we talked about his impact on the team and this doesn't mean Jokic didn't deserve it doesn't mean that Giannis didn't deserve it but you got to pick one and who deserved it more I would say Joe Embiid on top of all those other things that we already consider the fact that he never won it is a part of this is of interest to those voters. So now, game two conversations of him coming back. James Harden balled out of control, forty-five and six in game one. James Harden knows, hey, that's still in my bag. If you need it, if you're gonna play, you don't even gotta be a hundred percent. Give me a lot of you, I'll do the rest. And the confidence of this team believing now they got that two-headed scoring monster in terms of James Harden and Embiid, it's gonna do wonders for their confidence. So. It's going to be interesting to see how this series goes because Boston does not want to go down 0-2, then have to travel to Philadelphia. To me, it sounds like that series will be a wrap, and that'll be the team probably representing the East because the Knicks and the Heat, and the Heat without their two best players, and the Knicks still struggling to beat them and losing to them. I don't think it will be enough against the Sixers and the Celtics winner. Well, Celtics better win this next game. Or else I'm going to stop saying the Celtics and it's just going to be the Sixers. Congrats to you, Joel Embiid. Man, I remember day one when you were talking all that stuff on Twitter. I was like, this dude doing too much. He too damn silly to be real. Well, he wore it with a smile and he still climbed his mountain. Props to you, big dog. All right, now, you know how we end every show with a (laughs) Wiley-ism. Yeah. It does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. That's right doesn't matter how slow you go. Y'all remember those cartoons y'all used to watch? Was it on Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes, the tortoise, and the hare? I used to watch that, and I used to love it, because the hare used to floss. The hare was me. The hare was like, man, I ain't tripping. at the starting line. He doing all this. He hitting up with the Dave Chappelle. And then the tortoise is just waking up from a nap. Oh, do, Oh, dude. What are we doing? Oh, we're racing? Cool. Sad coke. OK. And the tortoise would literally go, go God, dude. And that hair, gone, like the Road Runner damn near. And every time I watched it, the same result. The tortoise would beat the hair. And I didn't know how, and I didn't know why, because I was too damn young. I was just like, this is fake. Then I found out wrestling was fake, too. Not fake, choreographed. And then I was like, ah! My whole life changed right then. Then I started watching Dukes of Hazzard and Different Strokes. I was off. But the point is, you used to see that. You're like, how is that working? They were teaching us lessons, y'all. They were basically saying the same thing. Doesn't matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. And that tortoise, because of his process, he was in his skin and his shell and doing it at his pace, but also taking notice of all those things around him. While the rabbit, the hare, just gone. Not even thinking, I'm going as fast as I can to get there, right? Go where? Get where? Get where? Have you thought about that? What are your calculations? So it taught you that no matter what you do physically, you still got to train your brain, right? You got to be into it up here. It ain't just heart, and it ain't just legs. It's how smart you are, right? Apply yourself to your situation. Know your circumstances. Map out your course of action and then go on that journey. So it was some deep lessons in that, even though I still didn't understand as deep as it was, how in the hell a tortoise could be the hare, still would never figure that out. But I love the fact that they injected that in us. So doesn't matter how slowly you go, as long as you do not stop. All right, y'all, that's gonna do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today Y'all want to keep the conversation going, let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley More to it is a production Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment And Workhouse Media the show is executive produced by Dan Patrick Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson and Nick Panella. Marcel Wiley, That Dude Thanks for listening y'all Thanks for all the love, subscriptions Five star ratings, reviews Membership program Marcelluswiley.com Projecttransition.org You guys are all in with me That dude's dudes and that dude's divas. I am working this because it's funny. We got that new show coming where y'all going to be on the show. It's y'all show members show. So what y'all want to do? Let's do it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it coming. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to y'all hella soon. Go.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air?
1: For years, and I really like it.
0: Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.